Hey, Mom, everyone else has toys. Why not you? Get yourself a freeze pipe bong or bubbler with just three pieces for easy assembly and even easier cleaning. Includes honeycomb inline percolators and a revolver glycerin coil. Pop the chamber in the freezer for an hour and get the smoothest, iciest hits. Visit thefreezepipe.com and use code PSM10 for a discount. No more coughing, champ. You got this. Is smoking weed safer than smoking alcohol? Drinking, drinking alcohol. We discuss survey results from a study held by American Psychiatric Association. Mm. Will Theo Joe Biden finally make good on his promise to deschedule cannabis? In Miami News, we got our own dialect now, and we discuss the Cuban-American influence on our speech patterns. We interview Laura Mundell, who is founder of High Curious, a cannabis content marketplace. She talks to us about the industry bullshit and how creators can benefit from joining her platform. Listen to our voice be funny on today's show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sunny D. And I'm Captain J. And, and we're, we're the, the Pot Smoking Moms. Moms. Hey, if you like the show, uh, do us a solid and rate, subscribe, share, and just be friends with us on all our social media. Potsmokingmoms.com is the website. We have everything there, including any events that you may want to meet us up at. And we're pretty much at Pot Smoking Moms on most of our social platforms. Exactly. So check us out. If you're on us. YouTube, hit that subscribe. Hit that like. Make a comment. Shake your butt. Tell us what you're about to smoke with us now because we're about to start our smoke sesh. Let's do it. I ain't got doggy bag. The doggy oh, bag. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, well, so we don't have, I've never had this before. This is me cookies. Either. This is new. So let's tell us all about that. Well. I got this on my trip to Vegas. And Land. when I went, I only had intended to just buy pre-rolls. But I decided when I saw this, I just had to give yeah, it a try. Yeah, come on. So it's called Doggy Bag. So obviously, it looks like this new dog cover from Doggy Style. And it's also known as a dog bag. It's created through crossing the potent Project 4516 with Skittles 18 strains. Also known as Snoop's Breakfast for Champs. <laughs> Doggy bag packs a soothing yet lifted high that will have you relaxed and ready to take on your day with ease. The high starts almost as soon as you exhale, filling your brain with an expansive happiness that's tingling yet energizing. As your mind is stimulated, your body will begin to settle into a calming state of relaxation that has you feeling kicked back and without any aches or pains to speak of. Kick back, relax. Uh, doggy bag is often chosen to treat a variety of conditions, including chronic, chronic fatigue, inflammation, depression, chronic stress, chronic pain, and the symptoms of cancer. This bud has a sweet and flowery rose candy flavor with a spicy diesel exhale. The aroma is very similar with a spicy really diesel good. overtone accented by flowery chemicals and a punch of heavy gas. Yes, it is definitely very loud. It's gassy. It's, it's got a, a very nice lemony smell, though, to it. It has mm -hmm. like a, a clean, like a vi I said it was a little reminiscent of vitamin-y smell. 
because it has that minerally like yeah like lemony yeah i get that yeah, yeah. smells mm. good though i am smoking chem driver uh from our friends over at miami high life uh chem driver is an evenly balanced hybrid created by crossing two farm strains chem dog d and sunday driver i've had both of those separately it's known for its mellow effects, making it a perfect treat to enjoy during the day. According to users who've dabbed Cam Driver, the strain offers a mix of euphoria and relaxation. Its effects start creeping in. Smokers almost immediately uh, with an increase of energy levels and creativity boost. As the stage goes, the weed settles into a sedative state, bringing <laughs> relaxation to the whole body. But unlike many other sedative cannabis strains, it doesn't cloud the mind. So those who need it to smoke in order to stay focused will remain productive and focused on the task at hand. Mm -hmm. Given the potency of the strain, it comes as no surprise that it's found plenty of medical uses to specify when consumed in the right amounts. It can help with treating conditions such as sleep disorder, muscle spasms, fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, wow. stress, depression, and different pains. Nice. Uh, I rolled myself. I twisted myself up a little J. Me too. I right. as well. Cheers. Cheers. If you got them at home. Smoke it up and let us know. Smoke one with us and let us know what you're smoking. We love to hear... If there's any, you know, standout strains that you found. Or if you've tried these strains yourself, tell us what you think about it. Have you tried Dog Bag or have you tried, what is it, Chem D is yours? Mm -hmm. So we're going to try something new or we're going to start rating. We're, gonna we're start smoking during we're smoking. our smoke sessions, right? Yeah. So we're going to do a one to five rating system. We're going to do ratings on aroma, taste, and initial effects. And then later in the show, we'll give it a new rating, another rating, based on the long-term effects or right. the extended effects mm -hmm. after we've, you know, a little while after smoking. So I like to say that I've had this out of glassware and I enjoy this out of glassware more than like a joint because you get to taste. Taste it better. Yeah, Agreed. you get to Same. taste a little bit more of the diesel -y flavor. It's like a different experience. Mm -hmm. But I would say for Cam Driver, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the aroma of the bud, uh, to me, it's all has, all has like a clean smell. It's like a diesel-y floral scent. Uh, for aroma, I would give it, I would give it a three. Uh, the taste, I would also sit, give it a three for taste. Mm -hmm. And initial effects, like when you your first couple hits. And it's smooth. So I'd say initial effects, I would give it a four. For me... Aroma, I think this smells amazing. Like it's like you know, there's certain weeds that you know when you smell it. Oh yeah, you're, and you're, they, no, they you stay know you're gonna in like your it. brain, right? Yeah. So for me, I would say I don't know four, four okay. and a half maybe. All right. It smells great. Like I can smell this. It doesn't definitely has gassy, lemony smell to mm -hmm. it. I love that. Um, I also have already tried this before out of glass, and it does taste much better out of like my glassware, like you said. Um, and I would give it like a, a three to four, three and a half, three and a half. Yeah. All right. For the taste and initial effects, I give it a four cause it, it, it 
does the job like right off the bat. It's hard for me to give a full five to anything. Else. I mean, we are, you know, you can't just this is our first time. Away. We're just gonna be giving we're fives gonna, to yeah, everything. We're just gonna slap a five on it. So I was saying what four and a half, four and a half, five. Oh no, I would just give it a rating four and a half across. All right, I said three, three, four. I'll say three point five. Three point five nugs. <laughs> awesome. So what's up? How are things been going in your world? Oh God, I hate everything as <laughs> per usual. I <laughs> I hate everyone. <coughs> so many crappy things happening and you know, you're kind of sometimes at the mercy of others and people don't care. You do have a lot going on. Uh, I've got a full plate at home. I'm, I'm reeling the effects of the flood and I'm trying to get the money so we could, you know, fix all the things that are broken so that more things don't get broken. You know, and it's just like being an adult is a fucking pain in the dick because, you know, you just kind of see things for what they really are, you know, and um, everything's a scam. I've said it before. You know, you guys are like like the old complainy bitch. But I, I mean, like for real, we all the veil has been lifted as adults. And now it's like we're you know, we see how much bullshit there is. And it's hard to like. It's hard to like know all this fucked up shit is happening and just be like, -la 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 -la. so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, with the insurance stuff, it's like a fucking scam. I always think that, you know, all of this is a goddamn scam because you pay into it, you pay into it. You know, they they they'll do anything and everything to not pay you when some shit goes down. And, you know, it's when you just need it when you need it. And then it's like. Oh, it's just so obnoxious, but I'm I'm really hoping it, it seems like they're finally getting to a place where we'll find out what, what's coming to us. The only thing is, is like, I hope I have a number in my head and I'm like, these bitches better, better give me that number, that number. <laughs> better. No, they better like give me at least that much because of all oh, the damage. You mean, okay, I thought you meant, um like costs like what's no but you're talking about what i'm talking about what the insurance yeah they better give, give you a good number yeah and uh and i had hate to have to get a public adjuster involved because as soon as this happened girl everybody was like oh, i know a public adjuster and i know a public adjuster which we i think is a fucking also to me that's a fucking scam too because it's like oh well what i can't just do the honorable thing and go through normal processes to get what I should be getting because it's all part of what I'm supposed to get. Luckily, we had so a now, friend that was a public adjuster and just did it to it for us as a favor. Oh, that's really nice. But like these days, nobody's doing any favors for anyone. <laughs> and then they take a cut from that, which like I get that they have to get paid. But why do we need them? Like it's just everything. There's you always need to pay for something to get something it's else ridiculous. and it's just oh, everything's a scam everything is just yes and so that's where i'm at but i'm trying to like be happy about like you know getting new stuff because i you know i just feel like all my shit's broken down and old and i'm just like can i just get something new please <laughs> god can you just well i hope they give you a number that works so you can yes. fix everything and fix your bathroom too yes and do all the things and do and all the things and be happy <laughs> or comfortable lure anyways 
Well, I had a pretty crazy week. I went to Vegas for work. I know. I've been dying to find out about it, but I can't because it's content for the podcast. So here we are. Let's hear it. I want to know everything that happened. <laughs> like, I don't want to say everything twice. I'm like, bitch, I'm just going to say I know. The and I'm like, come on. I want to know. We're friends outside the podcast. But anyways. Bad Eddie. I know. <laughs> it's finally gone. Yes. It's working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I went to, uh, Vegas for a conference, which, you know, like, I'm like, oh man, I have to go, but work. Like, Cause it's like work stuff. Still. Yeah. It's work. It's still interesting. And it's like an interesting version of work instead of having to be in the office or dealing with the daily bullshit. I'm trying to do that on my phone while at a conference <laughs> and do other things, but it's, it's a really good conference. And what was really cool about it is that they had one night of entertainment where they had Janet Jackson. Oh my God. I know. And I was like, the, uh, when, when I left here, after we talked about it, I was like listening to Janet Jackson songs on, on the my way, way home. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this one's great. Woo. Let me tell you, she looks amazing. She still sounds great. I mean, I'm pretty sure she the pictures you show me. She looks fantastic. Yeah, I took some little videos. Uh, we'll share a couple of pictures here with you guys. Um, and it was it was just a really good show. And let me tell you, she did not hold back the sexy because it was a bunch of HR professionals. I was like, let's see how sexy she gets. Obviously, she's, you know, almost 60 years old now. So she was very modest in her clothes in the sense that she was covered. Right. But she had form fitting clothes. And of course, the dance moves with the with the male dancers were still very sexy. Yeah. They're, they're grabbing her breasts. What songs they're did like, she sing? I mean, I know oh, you don't, don't remember her, her set, but like what, what does she have? Like, what does she, she sing? She basically hit, did most of her hits. I'm not good at song names. Don't ask me to remember. Okay, hum one. Which one what, what did you like the most? She has so many she good ones. Nation, That's the thing. Of course. Oh, I love that one. Um, I, I get so lonely. Like all the, I don't remember the names, but like she pretty much most of her hits, mm -hmm. she hit them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so the guys were like really sexy. She made out with one of the dancers Ooh. and everything. I was like, is she really dating that dancer? Or is this just like part of the thing? Is right. like, is, could this be sexual Art. harassment? <laughs> but just HR Art. Oh, I, oh no. I like analyzing that. So like part of the job interview for the dancers are like, are you okay with grabbing Janet Jackson's breasts and crotch <laughs> and making out with her? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I get paid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that was like the best part of the conference was that that show it was really cool. So since it is a legal state, of course, I was like, I'm not going to like take weed. I took one Well, day. this time you didn't have to talk to someone who worked at Popeye's <laughs> to get weed. You could just yeah, at the last conference. It. I saw somebody smoking a blood outside of Popeye's and I just asked them where to get weed. This time I was able to legally buy it somewhere. So I went to Cookies because it was like one of the closest dispensaries. Just took a taxi there. And then I ended up getting like I, I wanted to just get a couple pre-rolls to make it easy, you know, so I could just smoke easy, no problem. But then I was like, man, I really want whole flour. So I ended up getting these two packs. Of because when you get pre-rolls, you don't have the opportunity to like look at the bud and exactly. smell the bud. Exactly. And it's like a thing. Like pre-rolls are fun because they're easy to grab and go. But exactly. you really want to experience it, especially because you never had cookies. It's the it's the Snoop Dogg. And I weed. never had like recreational weed where it comes yeah. in fun packaging and like all that uh -huh. stuff. You know, everything's always been so medicinal. Sterile, yeah. Comes in like. A standard pack that doesn't have any 
pretty marketing on it. Just, you know, very, everything's sealed. Everything's sealed there too. You don't see it beforehand, right. but. Which I wish no, I, I could just, smell it before yeah. I buy it. Yeah. I mean, they had those little things where you could see the nugs and then like smell it through the thing. Okay. Um, the store was nice. It was a nice little store. There wasn't many people in there when I got one in there. The guy that helped me was really nice. I can't remember his name, but he followed us on Instagram and oh, I followed him back. Nice. Uh, I was like so annoyed that I forgot to bring stickers oh, and I yeah. didn't put stickers there. Um, but he recommended for the pre-rolls these little, I think they were called stinks. Stink? I don't know. Sticks or something? Stinks. S-T-I-I-N-X, I, I think. Uh-huh. And they're like these little tiny fancy pre-rolls that have like um, live them, resin right? in the oh. inside. Like there's a core of live resin. Yeah. Then the whole flower. And then it has covered and key. <sighs> I wish yeah. they did stuff like that here, but we can't. I no, don't think exactly. we can. There's not all that yeah. crazy fancy stuff. That's why I was very excited to try uh. it. What I did, I, I enjoyed them. They definitely did the job. They're really small, so I could just, it was perfect because it was just like when I had time to go smoke, I could smoke the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was just enough. The only thing I didn't like is that they they reinfuse it with terpenes. So it has like like flavors to it okay you know what i mean like it like the watermelon one had like a watermelon flavor to it and like i didn't i don't like that i like to smell i like to taste like regular weed like i don't like to have like you know when you buy design vapes that have flavored smokes or whatever yeah that was the only thing that i was like "Mm," because i could kind of taste that but other than that it was great oh okay and then this was this has been good so far yeah it smells great but uh, the hotel I was staying in, and this thing is that they don't have any hotels yet or places that have consumption lounges that right. I can tell. Yeah. But I just smoked outside the hotel where everybody was smoking their cigarettes, and I didn't have a problem except for one time a guy asked me if he could have a hit. Which is like, fucker, <laughs> it's available everywhere. Go buy one. But you're nice. I am. I gave him the end of my day. I'm like, here you go. I was pretty much done. Yeah, here. Now the rest of this guy <laughs> fucking get at my face. And then I get arrested. It's a cop. for giving away weed terrible no it was fun it really made me think about how much fun we would have there with our patrons yes i've always wanted to go to vegas i actually was talking about moving there recently because i'm fed up with florida we should have we we can have a we can have a segment called fed up with florida and we just talk (laughs) shit about the things we hate about florida but yeah cost of living here is outrageous and trying to find a job to um looking at what people are paying it's pathetic you guys it's pathetic so uh yeah i was talking about moving to vegas we should probably uh visit before we move so you know we should talk about that one of our patrons wants to go for her 40th birthday yeah and i'm down we're down (laughs) oh show yeah that place is a wonderland like adult it's like an adult theme park i know but i feel like i want to eat shrooms and play right in the center you live in the suburbs and you go into that area to play, but I yeah. don't know. It no, feels like it could be a little Vegas, like pretentious there, and yeah. stuff too. It's totally Lens different stuff. outside of the city. Yeah. But anywho, hey, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. And if you're not watching us on YouTube, watch us on YouTube <laughs> and subscribe. <laughs> Yeah, we would love you that. Want to see our beautiful faces? Yeah, that would tickle our fancy. So please, uh, hit the like, hit subscribe over on YouTube. Yeah, do all those things. And before we proceed, we just want to give a little shout out to our patrons. Say thank you very much. 
We love you guys. We do this because of you guys. And we want more patrons to be joining our awesome community. So many perks. Yeah. Uh, we have such a great time in the Discord and on the vacations and things. We have one coming up. We're going to be doing the Boats, Bitches, and Blunts. Uh, uh, I just be like when you boat. say it. Boats, Bitches, and Blunts. <laughs> Yeah, I want to get those rose blunts so we can roll a bunch of rose this, blunts. Yes. And we're going to cruise through Miami and go to the sandbar and do all that, those and things. And have a smashing good time, darling. <laughs> it's going to be a fantabulous. Please join us. And if not, Patreon. Join us on Patreon and you too could have, a, I don't know, a nice relaxing <laughs> afternoon with Pots Pokemon. <laughs> Hey, if you cannot do the Patreon thing right now, because we know times are tough uh, monetarily, you know, uh, you can just support us by doing what you're doing right now and listening to us and talking to us about uh, talking about us to your friends, making a comment on the show, yeah. making sure you like it, share it. All those little things really help us engage with all of the posts that we make on social media. That is helpful. Yes. And listen, we're getting we're getting ready to get new stickers. We could send some merch out, some stickers to your way. So hit us up. And uh, we like that. So I think we're ready for our first segment now. All right. Let's let's do it. Right, so this is an interesting story. I mean, we all fucking know this already. Yeah, I think, we've right? talked about this kind of sort of. I think we all really know this ourselves just through experiences and stuff. But Americans say cannabis is safer than alcohol and cigarettes and less addictive than technology. I got to agree with that. So it's less dangerous than op- opioids, alcohol, cigarettes, according to a new survey conducted by the American Psychiatric Association, APA, and Morning Consult last week. The survey results come from interviews with 2,201 adults conducted between April 20th and April 22nd of 2023. Oh, nice timing How appropriate. (laughs) With a plus minus two percentage point margin of error, analyzing public opinion on the dangers and addictiveness of six different substances and technology. Regarding cannabis, 38% said that is it is very or somewhat unsafe. Comparatively, 84% of respondents said they regarded cigarettes as unsafe. I think most people agree with that. 64% believe alcohol to be unsafe. 66% found prescription opioids unsafe. And 75% found non-prescription opioids. I can't say opioids. Got to open the mouth real wide. Unsafe. (laughs) Reminding us of the negative public perception of vapes. 76% responded that vapes are unsafe. While technology will lose in other categories, here's where we unintentionally, ironically, (laughs) tell you to keep scrolling on your screen to find out. Uh, You don't have to be scrolling here. We're we're reading it to you. People said that technology was safer than cannabis, with only 23% described as very or somewhat unsafe, making it the only category deemed safer than marijuana. All right. So everybody thinks everything is safer than marijuana is safer than technology. Than, right. Technology is safer. It doesn't have a direct I don't think but technology I feel like is it, safer. Yeah, I feel like it I feel like technology has a deeper kind of like I think it's very thing. dangerous. Yeah, me too. 
The survey also analyzed the public's perception of addiction. In that category, they perceive cannabis to be less addictive than all the substances mentioned in addition to technology. 64% said that cannabis can be addictive. 87% said cigarettes are addictive. Are we repeating all of this? All these... Uh, no, now they're saying addictive. Oh, okay, so... I think it, before it was uh, unsafe. Unsafe. So now it's addi- addictive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 64% said that cannabis can be addictive. 87 say cigarettes are. 84 deem alcohol addictive. Prescribed opioids are considered 83%, a figure that drops to 74% for non-prescribed opioids. Why would that drop? I would think that would be just as high, if not more. And then 81% think vapes are addictive and 75% find technology addictive. So that's, we, we all agree that all of those things are oh, That addictive. feels more in line with what we were thinking before, but we're, we didn't realize they were measuring unsafe. Right. But unsafe, I actually think technology is higher as an unsafe because of other things other I mean, than addiction. I wasn't thinking. In yeah, they, form. yeah, yeah. They got. There are all kinds of things. Yeah, you can have access online. to everything, right? It's clear that we have gotten the message through that cigarettes are dangerous and addictive. APA President Petros Lovini said in a press release, we can help prevent more Americans from other potentially addictive behaviors like drinking alcohol and technology use. For instance, vaping is just as, if not more addictive than cigarettes or smoking. However, even though science agrees... Oh, that's me, girl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna keep going. You can just keep going. <laughs> However, even though science agrees that addiction is a medical condition, check out this study published in the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience. I guess they linked it. 47% said that addiction results from personal weakness, which gives us insight into the stigma surrounding substance use disorders. While cannabis is generally not considered physically addictive, remember that other substances that survey covers, such as opioids are highly addictive due to how they affect the brain. Research confirms if someone is prescribed opioids after sustaining injuries in an automobile accident, for instance, and they develop an addiction is scientifically proven to be due to changes in the brain rather than a lackluster set of morals. Very true. There's a lot of people that have gotten addicted to the painkillers they've been prescribed after like a major surgery or an accident or something that happened. However, Levo Unis says the survey is, is that a name? Levo Unis says the survey can be helpful by offering insight into how to educate the public best. We can also make sure that people know about our current safe and effective treatments for both substance use disorders and behavioral addictions. He says addiction treatment works. And the numbers are higher for those with less regressive views regarding the cause of addiction. of respondents answered that addiction is a medical condition and 93% of those polled said substance use disorders can be treated with 76% responding that the condition is preventable. Survey also offers insight into the importance of increasing awareness regarding naloxone, a life-saving opioid anti-overdose drug. Mm. Only 58% said they were aware of naloxone Naloxone, yeah, I think that's right. And only 35% said they know how to access it if they needed it for an overdose. Naloxone can reverse an overdose, but only if used 30 to 90 minutes after the incident is discovered. As a result, it is something everyone should have on hand rather than search for when discovering an overdose. 
Right, and I know cops also carry that like around EMTs too and stuff and like, like that yeah. when they find people might be doing that, having that. Considering that the study found that 71% of Americans say they know how to help someone in their life who's struggling with addiction, it's clear that one of the biggest takeaways from the research is the importance of naloxone awareness. So based on the research, apparently they just noticed that nobody knows about this life-saving Knowledge. Right. I don't think that it's privy to uh, information to everyone because not everybody yeah. is really interested in knowing what the statistics are. Not a lot of people know about the opioid crisis or are very well versed in it or like know people that have problems with it, like or like around people getting having overdoses. Yeah, you know? you know, I've seen like, that in that environment. Like, Yeah, I've seen news reports. I don't know what some sort of documentary where they were like uh, with a cop. They were like following a cop because uh, of the of the uh use of opioid uh use had shot up and mm -hmm. people were overdosing a lot and these people captured like three overdoses while riding with that one cop that one day yeah and they were like uh doing that they were injecting people with that with that drug. at the site yeah so sad but like yeah i mean if that's everybody needs to know that it exists just to prevent those kinds of scen uh, scenarios you know yeah, the more you know. I think we know that op opioids are definitely the more addictive, and alcohol is very addictive as well. Yeah. All right. Well, um, feds aim to finish cannabis scheduling review this year. Top Biden officials tell Marijuana Moment. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I'm not entirely sure what that means because that means just the review will be done this year. Right. I don't know. It's like... a bunch of pussyfooting. I think it's a bunch of pussyfooting. It's like me trying to get the uh, insurance people to tell me when the hell I'm going to get my money. <laughs> We're just reviewing right it's now. It's in review. It's in review. It's in review. It's in, can then... I talk to a supervisor? No, because it's in review. So. Let's see what the, the, they say here. So the head of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is aiming to present President Joe Biden with federal cannabis scheduling decision this year as agencies work as quickly as we can to complete an administrative review secretary xavier becerra told marijuana moment during a pre press briefing in sacramento on thursday while becerra and other federal officials have previously emphasized that they are working expeditiously they say that right expeditiously expeditiously to carry out the cannabis review with the president directed that the president directed last year yeah, remember when he was like, oh, we're going to pardon all the minor things and we go do a review and blah, 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 blah. Um, there's been a lack of clarity about how about the specific timeline. Now the secretary has disclosed when he hopes to deliver on the president's directive. The Food and Drug Administration, FDA, under HHS. HHS is carrying out an eight-step scientific review into marijuana to determine whether it should be rescheduled, descheduled, or remain in Schedule 1, which is reserved for the most strictly controlled drugs under the Controlled Substances Act. What I can tell you is that, this is not me, what I can tell you is that the president She's instructed ready. us at HHS FDA in particular to take a look at how we treat marijuana to see if we can update our review of marijuana as a drug and how we can make sure we're going to treat it going forward on the federal level. Beseda told the marijuana moment. Places like California have already changed the laws. The federal government has not. And so we've been instructed and we're underway with that review as we speak. 
He said that HHS, along with other agencies like the Drug Enforcement Administration, are working together to try to see if we could give the president an answer that's based on the science and the evidence. Stay tuned. (laughs) We hope to be able to get there pretty soon, hopefully this year. (laughs) It's not a definitive deadline, but it is the clearest timetable offered by yet a top official federal official providing new insight into what the secretary thinks may be achievable within the next six months. Stay tuned. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I feel like it's always stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Once HHS finalizes its review, it will send a scheduling recommendation to the DEA, which makes the final call. The health agency's scientific findings are binding, but DEA could theoretically flout this re- resulting recommendation. Whatever. I think the extended effects are Oh yeah, are we recording those extended effects here now? <laughs> That doggy bag. (laughs) Doggy bag, bro. Okay. (laughs) As Becerra was on his way out from Thursday's presser, which focused on food science innovation (laughs) at the University of California, Davis Health Sacramento campus. (laughs) What? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the camera. I'm I'm not trying to like... (laughs) Am I making too many faces? I don't know. Marijuana moment asked for his thinking on another drug policy. Psychedelics. Yeah. The secretary said he needed to defer to the expertise of the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Hey, slow down. We're trying to do marijuana. One at a time here. One at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Which also falls under HHS because I want to make sure that I touch base with that. What they're what they've been doing on that. But as I said, we are working to try to get out there as quickly as we can on marijuana. Oh, yeah, because it's about fucking time, my my friends. We've been waiting forever. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to marijuana lawmakers, including Congressional Cannabis Caucus co-chair Barbara Lee and members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus have joined advocates. I love that word caucus have joined advocates in urging the Biden administration to expedite the scheduling review process as legislators work to advance more incremental measures like marijuana banking reform. In order for the Biden administration to accomplish its stated goals, ranging from restoring integrity of law, addressing racial equity, and a laundry list of other priorities, the descheduling of marijuana must be... I didn't know where you were. Central. Justin Streckel, founder of the Bull Pack. Remember we talked Bull about pack, these guys? The Bull guys. Pack. Very oh. clever name. Bull and Pack. I, I feel like anybody in this industry finds a way. The stoners always find a way to bring it back to like, haha, Bull Pack. What was the other one we read earlier today? It was just like, how can remember. you not? <laughs> like, oh, tip 420. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did it. I don't know. There are very few issues as deeply ingrained to self-inflicted products. Problems. Sorry, problems. (laughs) We as a nation face like prohibition and Secretary Becerra, Attorney General Garland and President Biden have a unique opportunity to bring fairness and sanity by addressing this correctly and quickly, he said. I don't know how quick 
good old buddy Joe is gonna fucking <laughs> act because Theo Joe Biden, bro, man, Theo Joe Biden, this shit ain't new. We've been sitting on this. He's since eighty he got years it. old. Yeah, we were looking up his as age as quick as an eighty year old, as quick as an eighty year old, which is like not quick at all. Uh, and why are we having? Why do we have an eighty year old as a president? Like we barely want them packing our groceries at Publix, why do we need them in charge of the whole country? Because it was either the 80-year-old or Yeah, the, no, I mean, obviously, as a Hail Mary, I get <laughs> it, bro. But we should have more options. You don't think we should have more fucking options? Yes, obviously. <laughs> like, let's not get into this, but can we, though, for a second? No. <laughs> Back to the article. Uh, Becerra, for his part, is keenly aware of the significant public interest in his department's work to complete the scheduling review, as stated by us. <laughs> We said in March that we are trying to work quickly, but we still have a few hoops we need to jump through. Always fucking hoops. Always. It's got to go through a number of hoops. And again, safety and efficiency are what will drive uh, efficacy. Well, what uh, are what will drive the determination? So just stay, stay tuned. tuned. Again. Mami stay stay tuned. tuned. The secretary who has been known to play into the symbolism of 420 on Twitter said. Oh, are they trying to say something might be announced on the next 420? More than a dozen bipartisan congressional lawmakers sent a, a letter, Becerra and U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland in March, demanding transparency in the cannabis scheduling review. The letter said that Biden's scheduling directive represents an opportunity to make an honest assessment of the origins and implications of federal policy, adding that marijuana was scheduled based on stigma, not on science. And it's time to address marijuana's existing reality as a state regulated substance. Separately, Garland said at a Senate hearing in March that DOJ is still working on a marijuana policy while awaiting the results of the scientific review from health agencies. Just get the ball rolling already. Hey, but you know what? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, we've been staying tuned for a really long time. And we have come a long way, though. Yeah, we have. But the fact that it's even finally being done. I know, but like the state, the United States of America. But where are we united? Everybody has different laws for everything. Like all of us want weed. I mean, that's not you. Could it's a overwhelming a, a majority of the population want weed. I would say. If weed ran for president. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. If we ran for president, we'd all be voting for that guy. <laughs> Can you imagine? A nug? It would be a woman. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's a flower. Yeah. It's female. Hey, if you are not subscribed to us at this point, what are you waiting for, man? Go and subscribe. Go man. and subscribe and listen to this next segment that we love. So this week's I Love You Miami, we talk about a new English dialect that is merging the South Florida language. Say, did you see this? All coming? because of because our I lovely, saw this coming. I I mean, we hear it all the time down here, yeah. and people are like, "Oh, you sound like Miami and stuff." It's uh, this is all that. <clears throat> so, like examples are, uh-huh. we got down from the car and went inside, which I think is a normal way to say it. we got down from the car and went inside. It's we got out of the car. We got out of the car, but who says we got out of the car? 
You get down. You step down. You get down. Get Whatever. Down. But that makes sense to me. I, I made, made the, the line, line to, to pay, pay for groceries. groceries. That one makes. I like. I feel, I, feel, I feel like that's normal too. He made a party to celebrate his son's that birthday. That was weird. I don't know about he made a party. He threw a party. I'm not sure about he made a party, but I could understand why Hialeah people or Cuban yeah, Americans would say that way. Because they're basically translating it from Spanish into English. So these phrases might sound off to the ears of most English-speaking Americans. In Miami, however, they've become part of the local parlance. According to my recently published research, these expressions, along with a host of others, form part of a new dialect dialect taking shape in South Florida. This language variety came about through sustained contact between Spanish and English speakers, particularly when speakers translated directly from Spanish. (laughs) When French collided with English, whether you're an English speaker living in Miami or elsewhere, chances are you don't know where the words you know and use come from. You're probably aware that a limited number of words, usually foods such as sriracha or Croissant, 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 are borrowed from other languages, but borrowed words are far more pervasive than you might think. They're all over English vocabulary. Pajamas from Hindi, gazelle from Arabic, from Arabic, via French, and tsunami from Japanese. Borrowed words usually come from the minds and mouths of bilingual speakers who end up moving between different cultures and places. This can happen when certain events, war, uh, colonialism, political exile, immigration, and climate change, put speakers of different language groups into contact with one another. When the contact takes place over an extended period of time, decades, generations, or longer, the structures of the languages in question may begin to influence one another, and the speakers can begin to share each other's vocabulary. One bilingual confluence famously changed the trajectory of the English language. In 1066, the Norman French, led by William the Conqueror. That's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. 1066, <laughs> coño. I thought that was a tax return. <laughs> <laughs> 1066. <laughs> led by William the Conqueror, invaded England in an event known as the Norman Conquest. Soon thereafter, a French speaking ruling class replaced the English speaking aristocracy. Oh, did I say that right? Aristocracy. Aristocracy. And for roughly 200 years. We're from Miami, bro. (laughs) (laughs) What can you expect? We we have our own dialect Uh here. uh (laughs) And for roughly 200 years, the elites of England, England, including the kings, did their business in French. English never really caught on with the aristocracy. Aristocracy. (laughs) Aristocracy. But since servants and the middle classes needed to communicate with aristocrats and with people of different classes intermarrying, French words trickled down the class hierarchy and into the language. During this period, more than 10,000 loan words from French entered the English language, mostly in domains where the aristocrats held sway. The arts, military, medicine, law, and religion. Words that seem basic, even fundamental to English vocabulary, were just 800 years ago borrowed from French. Prince, government, administer, liberty, court, prayer, judge, justice, literature, music, poetry, to name just a few. Very interesting. Hmm. Spanish meets English in Miami. 
Oh, yeah. From all sorts of Spanish cultures. Yes. Fast forward to today where a similar form of language contact involving Spanish and English has been going on in Miami since the end of the Cuban Revolution in 1959. In the years following the revolution, hundreds of thousands of Cubans left the island nation for South Florida, setting the stage for what would become one of the most important linguistic convergences in all of the Americas. Today, the vast majority of the population is bilingual. In 2010, more than 65% of the population in Miami-Dade County identified as Hispanic or Latino, Latina, and in the large municipalities of Doral and Hialeah. Hialeah, that's where we're at! <laughs> The figure is 80% and 95% respectively. respectively. <laughs> of course, identifying as Latina, Latino is not synonymous with speaking Spanish and language loss has occurred among second and third generation Cuban Americans. But the point is that there's a lot of Spanish and a lot of English being spoken in Miami. Yeah, like my Spanish is not the best, but like I can speak Spanish and my son understands Spanish because Nima only speaks him in Spanish, but he'll only answer in English. And he's like, I don't know Spanish. I was like, but you do know Spanish because you understand right. everything Nima's telling you. Yeah. And we'll ask him like, what's this word in Spanish? And he'll say it, but he just doesn't feel, feel comfortable speaking, speaking it, Spanish. Right, right. Among it's a struggle. It is. it is a struggle. We've talked about it before. How like, Especially like w when you think of like the family unit and how the village was involved a lot of the time. And I mean, I could speak to this in terms of like even just my siblings, like noticing that my sister, who's 12 years older than me, but had children very young. She had them at like 20, 21. You know, there was a lot of more family members around and involved that spoke and Spanish the and, the raise and, and involved in the raising of those kids. So it's really difficult you know, uh, to kind of assume that that's the same for every family. It, it does change a lot. The dynamics change. And, and I feel like that family involvement really does make a difference when it comes to, you know, um, having them put forth that extra effort into speaking Spanish. Yeah. Among this mix are bilinguals. Some are more proficient in Spanish and others are more skilled English speakers. Together, they navigate the sociolinguistic landscape of South Florida in complex ways, knowing when and with whom to use which language and when it's okay to mix them with the Spanglish. Right. Everybody using that Spanglish. Yep. Especially well, when we're comfortable with one another. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I do it a lot all the time. Like, if I'm around other people who don't speak Spanish, as long as there's someone involved that does speak Spanish, and sometimes I find myself, like, also translating it. Mm -hmm. because I can't help but say it and then I realize that there's oh, people around who don't understand it, it yeah. so then I say you know explain Make it to sure them. they want to they don't feel like get in on that <laughs> when the first large group of Cubans came to Miami in the wake of the revolution they did precisely this in two ways first people alternated between Spanish and English sometimes within the same sentence or clause all the fucking time this set the stage for enduring presence of Spanish vocabulary in south florida as well as the emergence of some people referred to as spanglish we just there's said. a whole adam sandler movie about it too <laughs> <laughs> second as people learned english they tended to translate directly from spanish these translations are a type of borrowing that linguists call calcs calcus 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 or calcs are all over the english language <laughs> take dandelion 
This flower grows in Central Europe, and when the Germans realized they didn't have a word for it, they looked to botany books written in Latin where it was called Dens Lioness, or Lion's Tooth. The Germans borrowed that concept and named the flower, oh my gosh. <laughs> Lowenzahn. 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 A literal translation of lion's tooth. The French didn't have a word for the flower, so they too borrowed the concept of lion's tooth, calculating it as dent de lion, the lion. <laughs> the English, also not having a word for this flower, heard the French term without understanding it and borrowed it, adapting Dent de Leon, Lion, into English, calling it Dandelion. Dent de Lion. Dandelion. Dandelion. A dandelion. Dandelion. Oh, so that's where the name Dandelion came mm. from. A new lingo emerges. This is exactly the sort of thing that's been happening in Miami. As a part of my ongoing research with students and colleagues in the way English is spoken in Miami, I conducted a study with linguist Kristen Del Alcerando Mary to document Spanish origin calques. Cal I don't know if I'm saying I that know, word, me right. I know, neither. I have no clue. In the English spoken in South Florida, we found several types of loan translations. There were Literal lexical calyx, a direct word-for-word -word translation. For example, we found people to use expressions such as get down from the car instead of get out of the car. This is based on the Spanish phrase bajar de carro. Right. See? That's why okay. you thought get down from cars, bajar de, de carro. carro. So you, so, but the right, right way would be get out of right. the car, which translates for speakers outside of Miami as get out of the car. Yeah. But bajar means to get down. So it makes sense that many Miamians think of exiting a car in terms of getting down and not getting out. Word. Words. <laughs> <laughs> Word to our mothers. They're Spanish. Okay. <laughs> Locals often say married with, as in Alex got married with Jose, based on the Spanish casad secon, literally translated as married with. They'll also say make a party, a literal translation of the Spanish hacer una fiesta. Oh, gotcha. It's funny because growing up, my mom would call it pullover. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, this is a pullover. pullover. And I was like, oh, it's a t-shirt in Spanish is pullover. It's fucking not. No, it's, it's not. My mom was saying the word pull, pull over. over in yeah. a Spanish accent. So <laughs> that was very much some clarification for me growing up. We also found semantic calcs or loan translations of meaning in spanish carne which translates as meat can refer to both all meat or to beef a specific kind of meat we discovered local speakers saying meat to refer specifically to beef as in i'll have one meat empanada and two chicken empanadas and then there were the phonetic calcs or the translation of certain sounds thanks god <laughs> thanks god <laughs> Thanks, God. A Thanks type of God. loan translation from gracias a Dios <laughs> is common in Miami. In this case, speakers analogize the S sound at the end of gracias and apply oh. it to the English form. Thanks, ah, God. That's why they, that's say. Why they say that. Yeah. The Miami-born adopt the calcs. We found that some expressions were, on, were used only among the immigrant generation. For example, throw a photo from tirar una foto. Throw a photo? That's a variation of take that? a photo. People say throw a photo. I mean, I it makes heard sense that one. to me. I haven't heard that one, though. But other expressions were used among the Miami-born 
the Miami born, a group who may be bilingual but speak English as their primary language. It's funny because sometimes I'll be talking to my mom and I won't, you know, there's certain words that are more difficult in Spanish and I can't just think off the top of my head what the word is. So I've been talking to her about the insurance and I would call a public adjuster. I was calling him ajustador and she would crack up <laughs> because ajustador means bra in Spanish. But I'm like, mom, I don't know what the hell. What is the word? And she's like, well, beats the fuck out of me. I don't know what the word for that is. That's not something that's like used in the Spanish language. Public adjuster is an American thing. That's not like something that they have back, you know, in Cuba. So we really didn't know. So I kept saying it and she kept saying, I'm going to let you say it that way because I don't I can't correct you. I don't know what the right word is, but I'm going to laugh every time you say it. So anyways. Oh, my goodness. In an experiment, we asked Miamians and people from elsewhere in the U.S. to rate local expressions such as married with alongside the non-local versions like married to. Both groups deemed the non-local versions acceptable. But Miamians rated most of the local expressions significantly more favorably than folks from elsewhere. How funny. Language is always changing, is practically a truism, but most people know that Old English is radically different. Oh my God, crazy. Have you read from modern English? Shakespeare? Yeah. Um, very different from modern English or the English in London sounds different from English in New Delhi, New York City, Sydney and Cape Town, South Africa. But rarely do we pause to think about how these changes take place or to ponder where dialects and words come from. Get down from the car, just like dandelion, is a reminder that every word and every expression have a history. I love that article. That <laughs> yeah. is so because that like, was fun. We really honestly I felt very seen. Yeah, <laughs> really I studied exactly. the way we talked down here. Exactly. And it's and it's funny because it comes up often. People hear my accent. And sometimes since people are not around here from here, they don't really know where I'm from. But they're like, she has an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, you know, they start poking around and asking. And, you know, a lot, you know, not a lot of people, unless you're from here, can really say Miami. So that's very interesting and how we like how when we, you know, come together, how things change. It is really funny. I bet you that's how like Patois got started too, like a Haitian language, like how the, what they speak. Because that's like a, a mixture of French and English too, I, I believe, or something like that. But that was very interesting. It was. It was. So before we get into our interview. We have arrived to our high checkpoint. So... We you just to took get, another hit from that too. I wanted to finish it. I know. It was like I, have, I have some there. I have to finish. It was very nice. Though these I, papers are not too. Great. I mean, I rolled a really small J. I rolled these papers, and they constantly turn off. I'm not. What is this? We never got this seen those before. Pretty high club. We got these. Oh, in, our in thing. the goodie bag. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, I would say I I really like this. It doesn't it, just like how the description said. Like it keeps you kind of alert. It doesn't really drag you down. It doesn't give you that sleepy. After feeling like I feel this is, is it's a nice daytime strain. What is it? One through five? Are we yeah, still doing one to, one, five, to five? one to five? Feeling. I mean, it really depends what you're going for. Um, It's daytime. We're working. It's good for me. So I would say I will give it a four <clears throat> overall for extended Anything effects. that's going to make me giggle like that, I'm going to give it a five. So does that mean you, you give me a five too? I make you giggle. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> All right, so a five for the extended effects on the donkey. Yeah, guy? it's nice. Even though I, I, I would like to. I, I rolled a very small joint. I would smoke more. 
Well, that's the thing. I could be a little higher. But you've had plenty of time to get to know the doggy bag. So <laughs> I guess I giggled it off for well, a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Hey, we've come to the also uh, uh, past our checkpoint. This is our interview checkpoint. We had a really, really wonderful conversation with someone who's well known in the uh, cannabis industry, Lauren Mundell. She left her powerful New York City career as a wellness marketing and PR expert in 2018 when she got excited about the cannabis industry. And if you follow her, you know she's excited about the <laughs> cannabis industry. The High Curious Content Marketplace helps cannabis brands tap into the rapidly growing creator economy and reach their target audience through social media and influencer marketing. We uh, had a wonderful conversation with Auntie Lauren, as she's known in the industry. So we hope you enjoy it. Here it is. To Auntie Lauren and High Curious and the Pot Smoking Moms. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. We're finally having Lauren on the show. So happy to be here. So Lauren, tell us about, first we like to ask all of our guests this, tell us about how you first encountered cannabis and how you got into, you know, being a cannabis enthusiast, <laughs> consumer. How old were so, you? So I didn't get a great hit, so I'm just going to like. No worries. I'm going to do the same. A wrap around. Like the old wraparound. So, so I was going to say, actually, um, at the beginning that, you know, I'm about to turn 50. Um, next Monday, I'm going to be 50. Oh, and happy birthday. Thank you. And um, I started using cannabis when I was 43. Oh, so wow. I've only been using cannabis for seven years. And um, I, when I started using it, I had tried it in college. I was very nervous. I, I had a really bad like experience, which I now know is kind of like my first anxiety attack, but I didn't know what that was then. And I just thought that's what weed made you feel like. So I was like, I do not want this. Like, you know, I mean, who wants a panic attack? Right. So, um, when I, uh, my husband retired from the Navy in 2017 and he was like I can't wait to smoke weed I mean he hadn't in years since like high school you know or like right after high school before he went into the military and I was like we're not doing that and he's like he's like no like I am I'm like okay fine so I assumed that would just be like a little fly-by-night thing that you know he would just like get over but I saw how great he was and how happy he seemed and I really wanted to tap into whatever that was. So I started off by like, well, you could call it microdosing or you could call it fear dosing. Cause in my case, it was like, I was afraid to get too high. So I would be like, take a vape pen and be like, like, look at the clock, be like <laughs> 302 and like 310, be like, how do I feel now? Like just, but after I finally like got comfortable with it, I realized that it was a, is a wellness supplement. And as a, I was a wellness marketer working in New York City for some of the biggest companies in the world. And I was like, why isn't anyone talking about cannabis as a wellness supplement? You only hear about it as like this like recreational drug or about the fact that it cures cancer. There's nothing in between. And so I got out of corporate PR to come into the cannabis industry to spread that message. And here we are. 
Yeah, it's so funny. Within seven years, like <laughs> within seven years of using cannabis, she's like, it. not only am I a cannabis enthusiast and consumer, I'm now in the industry and started curious and really gone in it. Wow. So Jay, how did you make that decision to switch over to cannabis? How did you make, how, what made you decide that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, seriously, if I could go back, I would probably be like, cool your jets, bitch. Like, you could wait a couple more years and take this salary a little while longer while the cannabis industry, you know, gets its act together on the one hand. But on the other hand, I would never be in the position that I'm in if I hadn't left when I left. So I don't I don't even look back. Um, but when I came out, I was living in New York and I came out to visit a friend in Colorado and we went to a dispensary here and I saw some of the products and I was like, as a person who loves like this, the CPG, the consumer packaged goods industries, right? So like food, beauty, you know, wellness products. I was like, an entire new industry is coming that no one has like even touched and that is so cool. And I want to be a part of it. And that is really why I did it. Um, and it was because like maybe 10 years prior to that, I had wanted to um, get into fitness and like be kind of at the beginning of fitness, you know, in like the 2008, 2009 world when fitness was really still like people were like, you're going on a vacation to like workout like that people looked at me like I was crazy for that and now it's like everyone's going on like a wellness you know trip or whatever um so I was like I'm not gonna miss my chance again and I got really excited about cannabis and here I am you know I left my job in New York City um and uh, moved to Colorado and we've been here almost four years so it's been great it's been hard. Can I ask you this? It, what, you're coming from the wellness, like sub, the supplement industry? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, a combination of, I guess, what you would consider wellness. So basically, um, my job at the agency where I worked was to take companies and help position them as wellness products. So, for example, Splenda. You might argue that Splenda is a wellness product, which it absolutely is, especially because it has zero... Um, calories and it's great for people who have diabetes. Um, it's also, you know, um, and but there's the other side of it. So that was our job as well as I worked with, I worked on Weight Watchers for seven years. Um, I worked on, prior to that, I worked on um, Bertoli, SlimFast, Lipton. Um, I worked at like on a whole bunch of different Pfizer businesses. So Advil, Centrum, Emergency, I worked in a whole bunch of PepsiCo business, um, like Frito-Lay stuff. So, yeah, that was my life. Can I ask you this? What, coming from all of that background and into the cannabis industry, like you said, it being so brand new, what are the major differences? Like, what can you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, did, you, what did you get in one that is totally different than the other? Well, this is a really funny story. So when I left Ketchum, the public relations agency where I worked, um, I had a meeting that was set up for me by somebody who had a cannabis client that was willing to introduce me to their this person in common. And they were looking to do an event and it was MJ BizCon 2018. And they wanted to do a, an influencer event 
Um, and so I came to them with a $90,000 budget. And they were like, we were thinking $5,000. It's <laughs> like, so I guess like if you, like it's been over the course of the past, you know, four years, really changing my mindset from helping some of the biggest companies in the world to helping, to being a very small company and to helping small companies on a smaller scale um, with budget, you know, from a budget standpoint, from a just, you know, just, uh, capability standpoint, you know, because cannabis can't really do what the mainstream can. Right. I mean, those is their footprint is huge. Like cannabis is still, I mean, even the small businesses, they're still competing with one another. And it's kind of, it's, it's pretty cutthroaty to me mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, who was, it's the, it's the, it's the long game. And you think of all the bread, cause it's, yeah, it's so exciting to like, see new products and stuff coming out and like buy a product and you, and you think it's a good product and you root for it and sometimes you, you root as much as you can for that product the market's just not right or it's satur oversaturated and it's so crazy to think that even in such a in such a new market there could be oversaturation yeah it's true I mean I just got back from um, MJ Unpacked and one of the things that we were, you know, saying in a loving but joking way is that, like, everybody has the same five products, a vape cart, um, a, a, a pre-rolls, um, some sort of uh, topical, gummy. and a gummy, right? And then maybe they have one skew of each or maybe they have three skews of each or whatever, but it's some variation on the exact same theme. And, you know, what's inside the same shit just a different packaging, you know? And so I think it is cutthroat because of that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, what makes a brand? Um, it's hard to, you know. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it's like they do get out of the end because really at the end of the day, what can a cannabis brand be in a market that is still, kind of like it's it's still being over policed it's still you know federally regulated running in like so a like gray can, area because of the fact yeah, that it's so like, illegal yeah, so you can but you can't and then you know it, it, it's 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 kind of all over the place do you see anything any specific thing that that's trended over the course of the last four years that you can expect to be like that has been consistent. I mean, the only the only constant is change, and I think, but I think that the recently, you know, we're seeing the states on the East Coast kind of acting in this very, I don't know, gangstery sort of way. Mm -hmm. um, that is, you know, leading to, I don't know, a lack of transparency, a lack of accountability, sort of, a, um, you know, and leaving the customer and the, or the consumer or the patient really like out of the conversation. When it comes to transparency, right, and, and trying to meet the patient, 
because I mean here when we speak here in South Florida, like it's still medical. But right, whether it's the patient or the customer, what do you think cannabis companies should do in order to show transparency, in order to show that they're working for the patient? Like what do you think those standards or guidelines should be for those people who are trying to really be consumer first? Because I think at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to it, brands who who are patient focused. I think that a company, let's just say there's like a new big company that crops up, or let's just say one of the companies that already is out there really wants to change its image, right? It could start doing everything from a transparency perspective. That means, um, and, and investing absolutely first in research, using, using all of their products to fund research in on the medicinal side, on the recreational side, and then publish the research results that they get, you know, and obviously hire like, you know, awesome lab technologists and scientists to help, you know, break new ground in cannabis to like bring more people in and also to show that like, yeah, there is a way to, to do this right. And the answer is, you know, is, is ethics and caring about the customer and actually caring like about where do you want, what do you want them to say about you in 50 years? Like, you save lives, like you change the game in mental health, like, you know, or your company, whatever, not just like you've got people the highest. Big cannabis companies do a thing where they like get so big that they price out the smaller companies and then they throw their hands up in the air and close down and leave people out of jobs and go up, oh, whoops, well, mm, eh. which is like something that's like, oh, well, but this is your fault. Like, you, you, this is a problem you've created, you know? What, like, for instance, that in the article that you wrote, you talk about major cannabis companies all using one public relation company, which Makes Captain no Jay were talking before you got on and she made the point of like, well, Pepsi would never use the same that coca-cola uses right exactly yeah and that was the point that, that that i was making in the article and it would be even if let's just say coca-cola and pepsi wanted to use the same public relations agency which would be counterintuitive and productive for them they still would have things in place and bigger teams but we're talking about an agency that has 60 people and that most of their revenue comes from these four clients. So that means, and then they're also, so like a lot of other, like let's just say you were a public relations agency for PepsiCo. PepsiCo might have six public relations agencies that they're working with, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. That's just public relations agencies. They might have 50 advertising agencies, 100, you know, shopper marketing agencies, all these different companies that they work with. But in cannabis, we're talking about very small company in the grand scheme of things. We look at their stocks, right? Very small companies that don't have budgets for all these different types of 
agencies that could stay agnostic from one another. So, you know, they're all paying 60 people. Oh, hey, it's just me. <laughs> they're all paying 60 people to, you know, to, to, to tell their stories and to do to do their work. And that I just feel like, you know, in Rosie's defense and in the defense of Matteo Communications, they've been in business now for, I think, you know, nine, 10 years. She started in Washington. All these people were her friends and she was the only game in town. And that made sense then. But now it doesn't make sense anymore. It's it's putting all the power is she, in one basket. Are they do they do they just do cannabis um like marketing? For the most part, they have a few um alcohol clients and maybe a couple other things, um, but mostly cannabis, yeah. That's so interesting. And I yeah, I feel like and it, I do it's, see. it's a big conflict. They want to be positioned in that place but I think anyone in this industry who's says they're like really making a lot of money on just cannabis marketing is like oh my god well a lot of money well there's know. a lot of regulations around cannabis marketing they're not technically really allowed to market cannabis in most states right like there's a lot of right they gotta they gotta kind of like oh it's not really marketing it's outreach or but but marketing is everything from the conferences that you go to, to the podcasts, to the podcast that you sponsor, to the, you know, the advertising that you put out to the event, you know, events that you put your name on, you know, everything that you were doing outwardly facing is really marketing, you know, they just can't do advertisements like they can't put ads out. Correct. Not over like the tradition, not over the traditional ways, but the cannabis industry definitely has the ways to get the advertising out there. You know, it's just, it's expensive and it's, you know, it's challenging, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think they mostly put their money in? Because at the end of the day, I feel like you know, I know that they do a lot of, they do put a lot of stuff into events. Have you, have you recognized maybe one, they, they, they put their marketing dollars in one of those areas the most? Well, like, and you know, I love Blunt Brunch and Adelia and all the stuff that those women are doing. But if you look at the top of their sponsor list, it's Leaf, And I'm always thinking, like how, you know, of course they need Cure Leaf in order to be able to make Blunt Brunch affordable for the women who want to be able to come to the events and make them be able to make money. But on the other hand, <clears throat> this is what, you know, how Cure Leaf kind of keeps things quiet. And this is kind of, I was just on this other podcast and this is what I was talking about, which is if the problem is that they're the only ones with the money. So nobody can talk shit about them, mm -hmm. right? So there's nobody that's like, you know, corroborating the stories or <clears throat> there's so many people that DM'd me from my article saying, I can't like your post or I can't comment on your post and here's why, but I want to tell you thank you so much or here's some additional information that you didn't have or keep digging, you're on the right path. People who used to work at Matteo, people who used to work at Green Market Report, you know, people just who, you know, have worked with them before and know how things work. And, you know, it's 
uh, it's upsetting that they have, and you know, when I'm, I'm not trying to say they, Matteo Communications, I'm saying they, these powerful MSOs, have a stronghold on the rest of the industry because, like, let's just say ancillary brand, okay? What do I want? Wholesale, okay? Who can provide wholesale that's actually going to make move the needle on my ancillary product? Five or seven companies in the entire country. So I'm going to piss those people off. Four of them are at the same public relations agency. So let's just say that TrueLeave and GTI were two different public relations agencies and they both have some negative news going on. You better believe that it's a lot harder to hide negative news when there's two different public relations agencies managing it. Because then, because there's going to be some gossipy person who's like, I heard this thing. Let's try to fan the flames a little bit, right? That's how it works. There, there's no, there's literally no competition. You know what I'm saying? And that's the tr problem that we all have is that the we're like racing to the bottom with products and everything because of trying to drive the dollar down because. But it's really we should have more. If there was more competition, if there was better products out there, better dispensaries more choices, they could charge more for that, right? For good product. Yeah. Do, right. They're trying to stronghold it here with one of the major companies. It's Curly for you guys out there. It's truly, I mean, Curly is here too, but Truly is here is bigger than Curly, I would say, right? Right. Curly isn't in Colorado. Truly has products in Colorado, like colors, and Evo Lab and a few others, but no dispensaries here. Is also Truly has products in other dispensaries out there. Correct. So Truly so bought Colorado brands that already existed, and now they own it, which means that they can expand those brands into other of. And their that's why groups. we don't brands here; they're only out there in Colorado. We don't see those here in Florida. Not yet, at least. Um, well, I don't know. We don't go to Truly. <laughs> right. We've stopped. I mean, wild. <laughs> and Curlyf is big in like California, right? What, what market are they? Are they? Curlyf is out of California, um, and so is Truleaf. But the biggest markets for Curlyf are like New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, um, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, that sort of area. Mm -hmm. uh, were were they were they in California and they left? Mm -hmm. Why were they in California and they did? Because people understand quality. After you know all these years of being legal, people are starting to understand quality in California, <laughs> and it's a much more mature market, and people aren't willing to buy corporate mids. I know. So, I mean, it does, <laughs> it does flow that if we just bide our time, you know, in 10 years, everybody will be in good shape and we'll have, you know, a healthy market. But we can good still eat everywhere. Good weed yeah. for everyone. Woo! But not with Tim Rivers and not with all these baddies. Well, can I? But also, good weed for everyone, but also let everybody grow that shit. I do yes. not. I am so opposed to a big guy coming and saying, hey, you know what? We should have recreational, but uh, you shouldn't grow this. Well, like, that sounds uh, like your governor. 
They don't want record. He doesn't want recreational at all. No. Yeah, I want to be the president of the world. I please don't get us started on him because we will. No. We. I don't want to press oh him. My God. I know, no, right? and it's been a tough last couple of weeks over here. It's I really started has. smoking weed like literally right after Trump was elected. It was like oh, it was God. actually like so coincidental. And thank God, I don't think it could have survived. Thank God. Can I say, Lauren, can I say that same election, we got medical marijuana, and I was just like, oh, my God, we're going to need all that medical marijuana where we're going. (laughs) And it was insane, because I was like, I can't believe that. I was like, I can't believe that we got weed here. I was very shocked. I was shocked about the Trump thing, but not as much because of South Florida. Because we got weed, but we didn't have smokable weed for a while. I didn't get my card until smokable weed was available. uh, Because before it was only like concentrates and carts. And I'm like, nah, I don't do dabs. They didn't even have edibles. Edibles came even after the smokable cannabis. But um, tell us uh, all about High Curious and how High Curious came to be. Yeah, what your plans are, what you guys, you guys are changing a lot, growing. Yeah, we just did a big change. Uh, I hope you guys will take another look at us and think about uh, coming on board. Um, So, hit time, hold on. No worries. (laughs) I got. I'm pretty lit. I, does it matter how long the chamber of it is, and how long it takes for the smoke to get to you, and how high you get? Is that probably all, all those? T- is, does all that matter? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are you trying we to should, say do like oh. longer chambers, longer bombs? Like, have yes, you yes. shorter ones. Hey, Mythbusters. I think that it what makes it? you oh. love Spliff Busters, we should do a Spliff spliff Busters where we test different bong lengths, lengths, and then we see if it matters. But we're going to be so high after the first two pulls that we're not going to be able to know. Like, how do you properly test that? We would have to space it out enough time to make sure you're not that high anymore from the right. other bong rips. All right. <laughs> that's a good, that's a Let's good talk factor. about High Curious. Yeah, High Curious. You should test that. So in, high curious. Yeah. so in 2019, April, I started building the High Curious app that you guys came to know. Um, and it got approved in uh, April of 2020. But as over the course of the past few years, I've learned that having an app is extremely challenging, very expensive, and doesn't really make money unless there's a real business model behind it. So this summer, I pivoted to uh, become a content marketplace where we have, where we connect content creators, influencers, freelancers, social media managers with cannabis brands who need uh, marketing, content marketing. So um, the, the way we make money on the platform is by um, off of the transactions. So we make we keep 30 percent of all transactions. But our job is to help cannabis brands come up with their marketing 
And then we introduce them to the creators that can create the solutions that we've come up with. So for example, if they need to turn on their Instagram, we're going to introduce them to Crystal and she's going to help them make 30 pieces a month and be in their stories and make them reels and all this kind of stuff. If they're looking to reach cannabis uh, people in South Florida, I would recommend they work with you and sponsor the podcast or one of your uh, weed crawls or, you know, something like that. So the idea is to build a large network of great people for brands to connect with and pay um, and for us to just be the middleman that helps make the work happen. So the way the platform, the way the platform works now um, is great. You come on, we're not on the app store anymore. We are uh, left uh, Apple. We're just at highcurious.com. You can come on, you can um, search for creators in your state or a certain number of followers. If that's something that you're looking for, you can actually chat directly with creators right there on our platform, talk about your requirements send links back and forth, um, and as well pay by debit and credit. And then we pay the creators by the 10th of the following month um, that they're paid in. So that's how it all works. And, cool. and how many how many like different brands do you guys work with right now? How many people do you have? Um... So we have, we have about 15 clients that we have on board right now. Um, you know, I, I'm pitching all the time. So really my job is um, getting on the phone with clients, listening to their marketing challenges and coming up with solutions. So, um, you know, and then, yeah, so, which I love, um, which is great. And then, you know, so then I can find the right people for them. Um, it, and I'm not going to lie, like it's been slow. Like it is hard to get cannabis brands to pay for marketing it, it, it you guys know right i mean it's really challenging and i think it's a combination of new to the market you know is it worth it we've been burned before um you know this doesn't work but that's because nobody's done it in a strategic way where they've thought about what are my real goals and what is it going to take for me to reach those goals? And who are the people that are going to help me reach those goals? It's just like somebody pitches them some idea to sponsor a 420 event. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. Cause they don't know anything about marketing. You know, it's still such an early market. It's like, people don't know what to do. I don't know that they even know what the market value is on certain things. So it's like, you know, I feel like too people have to people have to uh be a little bit stronger with their uh boundaries. <laughs> I think a lot of creators kind of Bench jump the gun. Yeah, and then they overcommit and then they see how much, you know, work is involved for low budgets. You know? Yeah, so it's like yeah, it's 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 crazy out there. And CBD companies, oh my god, don't even get me started on CBD companies and like their yeah. marketing tactics. We'd love to send you this. All we ask is for a story, and it's like I literally yeah, all, we, a, all we ask is for your firstborn. I wrote an article. On reels. <laughs> this is going to be my article that is coming out on. I think it's coming out on June first, and it's I already wrote it, but because it it's about three truths that cannabis creator or content creators want you to know. 
And one of them is how much it costs to make content. So I put out, like, I just put, like, a minimum. Like, they have to have a call with you, client, and figure out what the fuck you want. And then they have to pitch. Then they have to come up with the idea. Then they have to get dressed and set up a a shoot space. And they have to do it however long it takes to get the right shoot. Then they have to edit it. And I'm like, minimum six hours. Minimum. Right? For one piece of content. And the, so like, okay, so how much is that worth? Right? How much do you want to get paid for six hours of your time for something that you're expert at? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And it's, it's like, then it starts to say, well, cause it's, you know, I think to your point, Sonny, is that we talked, we, we undervalued this for such a long time. Like, through all of us learning how to make content, we learned by giving away content, right? But now that we have a plat- a platform that people want to, you know, tap into, we have to learn, we have to figure out, as you said, boundaries mm-hmm. and what's, what our worth is, you know, and right. what we can drive and what, you know, yeah. And that was our interview with Lauren Mandel, founder of High Curious. Please follow her on TikTok and on Instagram. She's at hi.curious on LinkedIn. Follow her there. She's got, she puts out a, a, a newsletter and it's really, really interesting. And she gets a lot of people stirred up uh, in LinkedIn. She's Lauren Mundell on LinkedIn. And then please go over to hi-curious.com. And, uh, you know, if you're a content creator in the cannabis industry, this is a good platform for you to get started in. Or even if you have a an audience already, go over there and they've got a lot of events. And, hey, man, it's another cannabis community. We love them. So go check them out. Yeah, we had a lot of fun talking to Lauren and we're even talking about planning a meetup out in Colorado with her. So. We're looking forward to hanging out. So with her. stay tuned. Stay tuned for that as well. For that. <laughs> so we've reached the end of the show. Hey, yeah. We should have a little we've reached the end of the show, like little song. Not at the end of the show. All right. <laughs> I'm down for another song. <laughs> but we uh thank our patrons. We love you. We can't say it enough. All of you, including Destiny. Uh, Christy, Denise, Peaches, Meredith, Natalie, Angelina, Jenny, Catherine, Jay, Chrissy, Jesse, Diane, Gabby, and Leslie. Woo woo. <laughs> hey, you too can have your name read on our show by becoming a patron. You get early access of episodes, full uncut versions of our interviews, access to our Discord server, which is awesome. And we got a lot of trips. But, uh, boats, blunts, and bitches, or whatever, we're happening. <laughs> That's our next having. one coming up in July. And, these, and this is not like an open event to the public. This is really just stuff that we do for our well, patrons. The boat, day, the boat day is for our patrons, but we'll probably open up maybe meeting up at the beach oh, okay the day. if anybody locally wants yeah. to meet us up on the beach that saturday before you know we got to talk about that with our patrons that are coming we'll stay see. tuned <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> subscribe rate review and share our content potsmokingmoms.com is a website we love you see you next week see you Bye. next week